Have you ever misheard a message? Misheard a message. That's, that's kind of the, the question for the morning. Uh, you know, played the, the telephone game, for example, with someone. Remember the telephone game? Uh, and you've played this and you've ended up way off course. Missed what was originally said. Uh, have you ever forwarded some uh, misinformation about someone, perhaps, uh, and it ended up coming back to bite you? Has that ever happened? This morning, we're going to be talking all about delivering the wrong message. And I'd like to begin with a story before we uh, jump into our, into our text here. Believe it or not, and maybe you've seen that a time or two, I haven't always uh, been the best at listening to my better half. Haven't always been the greatest at listening to my wife. Would you believe that? I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe. She doesn't believe it either when I say that. But at this point, I'm sure that every, probably almost every woman in the sanctuary is thinking to themselves, that's okay, Josh, you're a man. You're all like that, right? I know it's difficult to believe that I've never practiced the art of selective hearing, but that's what my wife says. At least I think that's what she said. My, thank you. My, my wife and uh, oldest two daughters, uh, of course, Emmy and Hannah, uh, were coming home late one into the evening one evening with plan, uh, from plans with friends. And Becky had uh, taken it upon herself to give me the following heads up. Earlier that evening, via phone, there was a message communicated, you know, honey, it's going to be late when we get in this evening. We'll have some tired kids. Let's not rush them off to bed. Like to let them calm down a little bit when we get home. We have a little snack. No early morning tomorrow. We'll do it this time. Okay? And you see, one of the advantages of, of being uh, homeschool parents is you can actually declare to this. It's great. For the most part, nearly any of the day of the week that tomorrow we can sleep in. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts. I, I like tomorrow we can sleep in. I, I'm more of a night owl than I am an early riser, so this may be most of the reason why we homeschool. Is <laughs> Only kidding by a little. But what you need to remember at this point in the story is that the message uh, sent by Mrs. Rude about the kids having permission to stay up, I, I didn't get that. I, I, I missed that part of the message. The only part that I caught was the part I wanted to hear, that tomorrow we can sleep in. <laughs> because I, I assume that was the whole point of the phone call anyway, for my wife to confirm something I already knew. Right, guys? Now I just gave away the whole secret behind male selective hearing. But the wife and kids, uh, you know, they, they got in uh, about 10. And by 9.30, I I'd, I'd disappeared uh, into one of the bedrooms to uh, work on proofing a sermon. And if, if I've never explained how I do that, I don't know how everybody else does that, but this proofing a sermon for me means that I, I take this thing, I take this draft that I've spent, you know, 8 or 10 or 14 hours writing, depending on the subject matter, and actually making it presentable. You know, I read it out loud, I'll smooth it out, I'll, I'll check it for errors, I'll, I'll delete all the crummy jokes. Sometimes I'll leave one or two in there, because Jody feels sorry for me and he'll laugh at me. Proofing the sermon means it's finely molded into the form you hear delivered on Sunday morning, hopefully for the better. There's only one message I didn't take the extra hour to several hours proofing, and I regretted it later. It mostly had recycled jokes in it. But. So I'm in the bedroom, and I'm, and I'm proofing my sermon, 
About 20 minutes after 10, I, I walk out, I go down the hallway, I'm in the living room, and I see there's Emmy and Hannah, and they're sitting on the living room furniture, and they're eating string cheese. They're watching one of those crazy kids musicals where everybody's in the circus, and so they all have to stop and sing about it every five minutes. I may have missed part of it. But being a dad who, who has a gift for not only selective hearing, but also selective memory. Last couple evenings that same week, I'd, you know, how should I put it, strongly suggested my kids kept their bedtime at, you know, 9.30. Got to be in bed by 9.30. But yet I couldn't remember a conversation I'd had with my wife just an hour or so that same night on the phone. I lost my cool a little bit. Dad got mad. To put it in uh, biblical terms, probably exasperating my children a bit. Yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. Why aren't you guys in bed? What are you still doing up? What's the circus stuff you're watching? Is that string cheese? Never mind, I see it's string cheese. Are you getting string cheese all over the living room? Do you have any idea what time it is? And it was just kind of in a circular uh, line of questioning like that. I couldn't remember the phone call with my wife at that point. I wasn't thinking about her wishes for the evening, what she wanted. All I knew was that it was after 10 p.m. and the kids were supposed to be in bed so that I could watch the greatest TV show of all time, Mystery Science Theater 3000. That was all I knew. I'd been working late. I'd been working at home. I'd been in my own little world. And all I could think of that moment was, why isn't there order in my house? I better restore some order in my house. I know how to restore order in my house. It's called Rain and Raven. And my kids, so that they get the message that they need to be in bed so that there's order in the house. Right on. Yeah, I'm dad. By the time I finished up this rain and rave, not paying any attention to the fact that these two little faces in my living room had turned from peaceful and happy and sleepy to confused and flushed and upset, I, I look over at my wife, and, and she's giving me that face. And guys, I have a feeling some of you know the kind of face I'm talking about. You know that look? One you get where you've said or done something just really stupid and childish and you should have known better. It's that look from your wife that says, you like that living room chair you sit in so much, you ready to sleep in it for a week? <laughs> my wife had that look. Now, to my credit, I thought the kids did end up going to bed, but the wife wasn't done looking at me. And you know something else? She wasn't done delivering a message to me either. Heard people tell me that they like to hear my sermons. I appreciated your sermon, Mr. Rude. That night, I received the closest thing to a sermon Mrs. Rude could possibly give, and I deserved it. I'd been rather unloving and impatient with my children and terrible in tone and delivery. And I'd also completely missed this message that Becky had just given me on the phone not two hours prior. You know, the one that said, honey, it's going to be late when we get in this evening and we'll have some tired kids, but don't rush them off to bed. I'd like them to come to calm down a little bit when we get home, maybe have a little snack. We don't have an early morning tomorrow, and it's okay this time, okay? I only missed that part of it. Now, interestingly enough, that same night, post-discussion, I, I remembered those words later when it was too late. I, I eventually remembered her words quite well. She saw it to that. But earlier, deliberately misheard the message, meaning I was sure to miscommunicate it. The consequences of my mishearing, full disclosure, ignoring the message my wife had given me were the following. My kids suffered, right? My kids suffered. My kids unfairly endured a terrible, unruly lecture from their father with selective hearing. 
right? And I suffered too. I suffered as well. I like my living room chair, but I don't so much like sleeping in it at night. <laughs> and everything worked out in the end. My back hurts from sleeping in the chair last night. No. Rude family finally uh, got to sleep in the next morning, and, and I, I apologize to the kids later on. Uh, they deserve a better Chevy Chase impression than that. But this is what can happen when a message is misheard, right? Intentionally or not, the hearers suffer, and guess who else suffers? The one who receives the message and fails to pass it on correctly. Okay, confession time's over. Whew, I feel better. But similarly, have you ever walked into a church building? Have you ever turned on your radio or, or turned on your TV and you're hearing somebody delivering a message to you and you can't figure out exactly what they're going off about? Careful. <laughs> what I mean is the words coming out of their mouth don't seem to match up with the words you've heard before, uh, you know, maybe in other churches or, or from other pulpits. They don't seem to be passing along the biblical message correctly or completely. Has that ever happened to you? The guy sounds uh, more like a salesman with a publishing deal than a preacher. It's like he's trying to, to, to sell me something. Uh, the pastor sounds more like a motivational speaker than he does someone who's handling the word of God. Sounds like I'm, I'm just receiving this line of, of platitudes that, that, that sound good, that feel good. Perhaps there's a reason why certain individuals come off that way to you. They've misheard, and they're likely uh, also incorrectly passing the word of God forward. And folks, this has been going on since Old Testament times. This has been going on a very long time during the calling of the prophet Malachi. Once again, we're some 400 years before Christ. The temple priests had been given a message God's name was to be glorified before the world. But just like with some of today's teachers and preachers and televangelists, these messengers were ignoring that part of God's word, the most important part. Some of them were concerned only with how God's word could benefit not the world, but themselves. How, for example, we talked about this, they could gain from uh, some of those uh, less than unblemished temple sacrifices being brought to them. We discussed this issue last week again. And like a father with selective hearing, these messengers weren't considering the children of God and the way they delivered the message. And so Malachi has another message for them. Chapter 2, our text for today, if you turn there with me. He says this, a little bit more text again this morning, about nine verses. Verse one, and now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, that I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. 
My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. Verse 7 continues. Really focus on this part here. Verse 7, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. And that's the end of this week's text. Friends, let me ask you today, quite a while after this text was written, how important is it that our spiritual leaders live up to this, to what God tells us? How important is it that our preachers, our teachers say and do what this says? That we keep his ways, God's ways. As one commentator writes, this is entirely the pattern of effective spiritual leadership to teach the word and live the life. To teach the word and live the life. People will hear God's message, but they will also see that it makes a difference. And this is when they respond. You see, instead of the hearers, our churches, our people suffering and the messenger our preachers also suffering. In this scenario, the messenger gets it right. The word is passed along to our congregations. The pattern continues. God is glorified. That's what's supposed to happen. And in the Old Testament, at this time, this was supposed to work in the following manner. God gave this blessing of Levi. Verse 8, referencing Deuteronomy 33.10. This gave authority in three ways to temple priests. Number one, to teach the law to the people, to teach the words of God. Number two, the burning of the incense or making intercessory prayer for God's people. And number three, to make sacrifices. This was the atoning for God's people. What's different today? Well, today, obviously, as the New Testament church, Jesus Christ has fulfilled the intercession, the atonement part of those duties. But guess what? It's still of the utmost importance that your preacher, that your teachers of the word handle it correctly. This is how God is glorified. This is how we bring honor to his name. Verse 2, does God expect less today from a preacher than he previously did a priest? Not at all. James chapter 3, verse 1, I used to have that uh, cut out and hung uh, on my desk where I uh, would do my work. Uh, James 3, 1 of the New Testament says, quote, not many, not many of us should become teachers, for we know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so today, this week, next week, I personally invite you, brothers and sisters, every chance you get in the interest of glorifying God, make certain the things that you hear from from this mouth are found within the pages of this collection of books. 
I challenge you. I urge you, be like those Berians of Acts chapter 17. Search the scriptures for what Josh the evangelist tells you, just like they did for what Paul the evangelist told them. And this isn't just because I have selective hearing with my wife. It's also because, believe it or not, I have a decent track record for making other mistakes too. Sometimes I don't know why the Lord or my spouse puts up with me, but I do know the prophet Malachi has this to say to us this morning. It's imperative that God's word is handled correctly every time it's used. Every time. Every time it's used. Don't stop with your preacher. Don't stop there. Also, in fact, verify the things that come out of that Christian radio station or Christian TV. Verify, make sure these things are being pulled from this. Nowhere else. You should also verify that the Bible is being followed correctly by anyone else who claims to represent it before you. For example, I was once asked to officiate a wedding ceremony for a couple whose marriage I prayerfully established uh, would run counter to the word of God. It wouldn't have been a God-honoring situation. Now, the way this works, some state laws require a practicing clergyman. You actually have to be practicing to sign off on the wedding. Not all states. Some state laws uh, just require that one who is recognized as ordained by a church can officiate weddings. So this allows anyone to be a quote-unquote religious representative. They don't actually have to be practicing as, as clergy to officiate a marriage or, or even believe what the Bible says about marriage in the first place, which it is a biblical concept. And so if one isn't convicted, for example, that one should be knowledgeable in the word of God to minister as an officiant, one can actually send 995 or something to a fly-by-night ordain me service and receive a ministry certificate like you might find rolled up in a box of Cracker Jacks. Yes, there are Unitarian-type services out there that will recognize or, quote, ordain anybody. Traditionally now, the, the, the norm for uh, many of us Church Christ guys was this. Uh, we went to Bible school. We, we served an internship, maybe even completed some graduate work, and character and testimony lined up with what these uh, to allow us to be recognized and ordained to preach the Word of God by the local church. But anyway, I couldn't just sign off on, on this wedding for this couple. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't complete the paperwork, but guess what? They found someone who would, and, and they even paid the 995 for his ordination certificate. Can't judge hearts, but regardless of how anyone else defines the word marriage, I know what this book says about it. I know how this book, collection of books defi uh, defines it. I know marriage comes from here, and there's some rules to it. And so I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, whether you seek preaching or teaching or wedding services, whatever it is, be sure your person in question knows it also. Don't seek the counsel of Bible concepts from someone who misinterprets, mistreats, or neglects what the Bible says. That's what's gotten us into trouble. Because the church suffers. The church suffers. You know, not just throughout great periods of the past in which we've allowed power to corrupt us, Think back to the 11th and 12th century. Uh, the popes were living like kings, and they were endorsing the, the, these bloody crusades. But the church also suffers in modern times by straying from God's word. We've far too often allowed uh, 
uh, uh, people such as one individual from Louisiana on the TV last year reportedly told by God that he, he, quote, needs a new jet, jet number four. This was his big message. This was the message he was intent on spreading. And by the way, God didn't just require him to have any old jet. It was specifically a Dassault Falcon 7X, a three-engine private jet capable of carrying 12 to 16 passengers at speeds up to 700 miles per hour. Amen? I just really wanted to do that. <laughs> so no matter who we think we are, no matter how blessed we think we should be in the Lord, God has a different message here right here uh, for those who lead verse two let's go back let's go back to that it's, it's humbling i find it very uh, humbling very terrifying in fact verse two if you will not listen if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name says the lord of hosts then i will send the curse upon you i will curse your blessings god's messengers must listen to god's word must know god's word and must follow god's word in their own lives this is crucial Otherwise, wow, look at the words of God. These guys are worthy of having the proverbial dung spread on their faces. These are God's words. And you know, it's not just the obvious prosperity gospels or claims on power and authority that are the equivalent of, of this kind of holy nonsense, as the case may be, dung. It's also those churches that acknowledge uh, Acts 2 examples of the early church meeting uh, the first day of the week to break, to break bread together, and then they, they failed to do so. Whenever we're leaving out or substituting the word, if the example set by the early church isn't being followed by your church, the message has been lost in translation. It's been lost in translation. And I don't mean to put anybody down today, but I believe this collection of books is absolutely clear from cover to cover on how God's people are to glorify God. It's clear. It's not been an easy course for the church over the last 2,000 years. It's not been. But it's not because there was anything wrong with the message. It's not because the message was difficult. It's because God's messengers have preached themselves. Their doctrine, their creeds, their interpretations, often everything else except for this. And from the books of Moses... To the cause of Christ. This is what's caused catastrophe after catastrophe for us time and again. Got to get back to the Bible. A fellow preacher tells the story. The time was just before 7 o'clock in the morning on February 9th. This is just a couple of years back. The place was a bend in the tracks some 37 miles southeast of Munich, Germany. There were two passenger trains. They were carrying about 150 passengers, and they collided head-on at a speed of 62 miles per hour. Because of the curve in the track, the, the two drivers did not see the oncoming train and were unable to take action until it was too late. The story continues. A week, a week later, Wolfgang Geese, the senior prosecutor for this case, announced the cause of the collision. Human error. Human error. A dispatcher signaled the two trains as coming from opposite directions, traveling on the same track. This dispatcher gave the wrong instruction. The wrong instruction. And the result was one of the worst train crashes in German history. At the time of Malachi, God's people had become indifferent to God's commands. 
And the result was a spiritual train wreck of biblical proportion. Spiritual train wreck. All because the priests couldn't teach and the people couldn't learn. What's the message this morning for God's other messengers? Get back on track. Get back to his words for spiritual teaching. Teach and live this. For any other training up is nothing but a collision course. I saw a Facebook meme recently that I, that I appreciated. Uh, it, it, it humbled and it also encouraged me a little bit. It said, don't put your preacher up on a pedestal where he can be knocked down. Instead, put your preacher on your prayer list where he can be lifted up. And I like that because this isn't, this isn't an easy calling, but there, there's nothing else I would rather do than stand right here uh, the first day of the week. It's, it's an honor. I, I praise God for the opportunity to preach the word. But folks, would you hold me accountable to that, please? Hold me accountable to the word of God. I need you to do this. This isn't 400 years before uh, Christ, and it's not the 11th century either. We have access to the Bible directly, every single one of us. Every single one of us directly. Many of us have several Bibles in our homes. We can pull them up in 87 languages on our smartphones. We have no excuse for selective hearing. Human error. Let's keep each other accountable in the words of God. This way, we can ultimately keep our attention on the one who spoke all things into existence by the word. To God alone be the glory, amen. That's my message from Malachi for today and Lord willing, every day. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you this morning for the sacrifice that's been made for us. Lord, as we, we look at this text that still stands today and we, we see how it applies to our lives today, Lord, I pray that you would Fill us with a passion for your word. That when we see it represented, we have the courage and we have, we have the know-how. That whatever books we're reading, whatever uh, programs we're watching or, or music we're listening to on the radio, that we don't just accept something as being from you, but that we explore it. We examine these scriptures daily. Your word, Lord, it speaks of itself as what can build us up, what can correct us, what can train us and teach us, disciple us, discipline us. And Lord, you've allowed it. You've allowed us to get to it so easily these days. I thank you, Lord, that that in so many houses and so many vehicles 
on so many smartphones, we have the capability. We can read those words, those ancient words. Lord, help us to not miss the point of the message. You loved us. You made us. You saved us too. All of this, Lord, was for your glory. Help us to remember as we're going about our daily lives, as we're going into this world, not to miss the message, not to get hung up in the, in the distractions or, or our own routines or our difficulties or, or our habits or hobbies, but that we really allow your word to guide us because it changes lives like only the blood of Jesus can. Help us, Lord, to be led by you in all that we do. It is in the name of Jesus Christ to pray these things. Amen. I think of a better way of ending uh, this this morning than uh, singing about the solid rock. There's a lot of things in this world that uh, really vie for the attention of our great God who deserves all praise and honor and glory. And it's all just momentary. It's all just of this world and it's not going to continue forever. If you have a choice to make this morning, if, if you've not made that decision to get on solid rock, to go into those waters of baptism, come out, new creation, and begin that journey in His Word and with His Spirit, we invite you to, uh, to come forward and make that call. Or if you have another public decision you'd like to make this morning, if you're a baptized believer and, and you want to say, hey, I want to uh, transfer my membership to Ferris Church of Christ and, and just make that call and say, hey, I want to worship with these people and be accountable with these people and, um, and make mistakes uh, with these people. <laughs> we invite you to do that too. Remember, there's only one place to stand. God has given it to us, the solid rock. Would you stand as Brother Guild comes forward?